0: Welcome to Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This is a true crime podcast. That's right, a true crime podcast. For those in the back, I'll say it a little bit louder. This is a true crime podcast. This show is a show for grown folks. That little E over there next to my podcast. That means that we use some foul language every once in a while. Just every once in a while. Enough to flag it, you know. So, we talk about really generally vile, disgusting, and horrific things dismemberment, disembowelment, death in general. Lots of really horrible, terrible things. But we also, like I said, we cover the three key things that everybody in life enjoys coffee, true crime, and of course, dumpster fires. So, settle in. Come get warm by the dumpster fire. Make sure don't touch it, though. Don't want you to get burned. Don't want to get sued. Just saying. But, again, all kidding aside, you have been warned. Turn back now if you don't like that kind of thing. And, by the way, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. If you don't get that reference, you need to go ahead and turn back now. Otherwise... Settle in and enjoy this week's episode of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. I'm your host, the Mysterious Mr. C. So, this week's Coffee of the Week, what do we got? Uh, We got Seattle's best, maybe, I will say bleh. I'm not, I've am not. i never really been a huge fan of theirs, but I thought I'd try their medium roast, the port side blend. Seemed more of a dark roast to me, really. Uh, it was okay. I'll give it 3 out of 5, two and, a half, 2 and 3 quarters. We'll give it 2 and 3 quarters out of 5 beans. Uh, not something I'll necessarily buy again, but it was alright. It was in the sale bin, what can I say. You can get it at any grocery store. So, alright. And now... I mean, again, nothing to really speak of about the coffee real quick. Uh, It was kind of dark. It was more kind of nothing really to write home about. It just was. Nothing really stood out to me. All right. So now this week we're going to talk about, uh, for episode six, we're going to talk about the case of Jessica Lunsford. Uh, Jessica, this case actually created a lot of, was the catalyst, if you will, for a lot of, um, for a lot of sex offender registry laws and things. So this one is going to get really sort of, it's going to touch some nerves and it's going to trigger a lot of people. In case you didn't notice, I got a little bit of the, I don't know what this is, I don't know, I, I, that's why obviously I'm late well, part of why I'm late with this week's episode—an entire week late, actually—and a couple of days, uh, I also had a few l- minor little technical difficulties. So, this is actually like the third or fourth time now that I've recorded this episode. So, maybe I'll get it right eventually, right? Who knows? <clears throat> um, so, well, let's jump in and we'll we'll start now. For the beginning here, a lot of this information comes directly from the confession that this guy gave. So Jessica Lunsford, uh, on February 24th, 2005, at around 3 a.m., uh, John Cooey her- decided that—by he's. A- By the way, John Cooey was a— convicted felon, a convicted sex offender, uh, convicted burglar, just an all-around shitbag. Uh, he decided that he would go burglarize his very his neighbor, his own neighbor on on West Snowbird Court in Homosassa, Florida. Now now notice there's a key little piece there. I did say he was a convicted let's say that again for those in the back. He was a convicted sex offender. Um, so when he goes into this house, he finds nine-year-old Jessica Lunsford. She's sleeping peacefully. Of course, it's 3 a.m. What nine-year-old is not asleep at 3 a.m.? Um, so he de- he all of a sudden decides that he's going to take her. And he, he wakes her up, and he tells her, don't yell, and had her follow him out of her house and to his house about 100 yards away, less than... It was, I think, I think the official record was 65, the official measurement, I guess, whatever, is 65 yards, uh, which, for reference, those of you who've been living under a rock, or anything like that, is less than a football field away from her house to his house. So he took her and did unspeakable things to her that night, kept her alive, kept her in his bed. Woke up, raped her again that morning, uh, and stuffed her in a closet went off to work. Um, You had, at 5.45 that morning, Jessica's alarm clock went off at the house. This is when, what set things in motion. Uh, Dad, who had spent the night at his girlfriend's house, from what I read, now, I don't want to cast too much judgment on Dad. He's a single dad doing what he had to do, was working and those things. But he, again, he, um, he was at his, He spent the night at his girlfriend's house that night, and came home early in the morning. Uh, you know, he he did live with his mom and dad, so she wasn't like just totally alone. Uh, but and and Dad was a her Dad again. This isn't about him. I can do a whole episode on him alone. He was not exactly the most upstanding of people. Anyway, so um, f- uh, at 5.45, he hears the alarm clock go off, and, and he's home now, obviously, and, and her alarm clock goes off, and, and usually she gets up before he hears it, and he, he, she gets up and comes and greets him, and good morning, Dad, that kind of a thing, but, um, but that didn't happen. Uh, so he goes to check and figures out that his daughter's not there. <clears throat> so at this point, um, you know, they this kicks off a, a pretty big, um, pretty pretty extensive search, and, and initially, and, and there's a lot of questions about, you know, how was she so close to? home, and they never found her. Uh, they took, took them, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever it was, three weeks, I guess, to find her, and that was after the confession and everything. So, but let's, let's back up a little bit. So, Dad is looking around. He calls, or, or Grandma, his mother, calls 911 um Citrus County Sheriff's office shows up they send a deputy out he comes out he walks around the house walks through the house all these things which is pretty typical you know you want to make sure cuz you know kids are kids and sometimes they just and, and that time of the morning that kind of thing they hide kids do that it happens so instead of immediately calling the cavalry and freaking everybody out and and whatever he wanted the deputy that showed up. He was, you know, checked around the house, you know, and they live in a trailer. And um, so they even looked under the trailer and you know, crawl space and all that kind of stuff. And and no, no Jesse. So um, that was what they called Jessica. By the way, they call her Jesse. Uh, so, and and not only is she gone, but her uh, her toy dolphin. Was with her, which, you know, you know, how kids. Some kids are they have that that security blanket or whatever device that they kind of cling to. Um, and then, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, sorry, I keep trying to clear my throat. It's that woo flu, I think. I don't know. I got something, man, and it was funky. It kicked my butt. I'm still not quite right, you know, but whatever. So, um. He they, they do all this checking and whatever, and nothing. So the search is on, right? You get the helicopters, a canine unit, tons of other agents, you know, surrounding agencies, FDLE. Everybody's out looking now. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, so everybody's out looking, nothing. They're not turning up anything, the dogs out, all that kind of stuff. Well, Um, It just so happens that, um, you know, they figure out around March 10th, they start, it seems like they, around then, I guess, is when they started to really sort of zero in on on John Cooey, Uh, and he was arrested in Savannah, Georgia, on a local warrant, and what I mean by local warrant is it was from somewhere other than Savannah, so they couldn't hold him on it because there was no, like, extradition or anything like that. They just—they couldn't hold him on it, and they—the um the detectives from Savannah could only briefly question him, really, and then they just—he denied any knowledge at that point. He's like, oh, what—I don't know anything about her. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I live in Savannah, blah, blah, blah. So they they send him on his way, Um. And then again, now things get a little more serious, and they they, they get some Citrus County detectives specifically go up there uh, when he gets arrested again in Augusta this time. It, it didn't really say what for if they just picked him up for questioning and held him at the request of the Citrus County detectives who went up there um, and went at him a little bit better. But he's still's denying everything, right? Uh, you know, nothing. You know, I, all he says, "Oh, I, I saw her on the news," you know, and all this uh, sort of, you know, bullshit they spewing about. Oh, I don't know her. I, you know, I don't. I've never seen her, and this and that. So then, on March fourteenth, now it's important to note, and this is this this boggles my mind when I was reading this, and I I went down. Just a really disturbing rabbit hole that I I really need Brillo for my brain after this. After episodes like this, I need Brillo for my—I really seriously need Brillo for my brain. Um, so um, he lived with—in that trailer on Snowbird Court, which he moved right after this. He, his sister gave him $200, and he moved to Georgia. Took a bus and was gone. Not long, you know, not long after this uh, incident. Uh, anyway, so, but he was living with his half-sister, her uh, her daughter, and her, uh, there were several people living in the house. There was a lot of crack cocaine smoked in that house. Admit it. They, they figured out admittedly or whatever. But how you live in this house, a trailer, I'm. we're not talking about like a modular home or any, you know, probably not even, I don't even think it was a double wide. I think it was a trailer, uh, you know, like out of central casting sort of, you know, trailer park trailer. So they give you an idea of how, relatively small uh, an environment this guy's living in with all these other people but nobody noticed. I have a hard time with that uh, and nobody was ever charged with anything out of that house. It could have been because of all the crack that they smoked or whatever else they were doing in that house and I'm not saying that everyone in that house cra- smoked crack or anything like that. I'm just saying that there were so many people living in that house and there it was known th- they admitted People in the house admitted to smoking crack and doing other drugs. So, like, but how you don't notice a nine-year-old little girl in your house that you don't know? I, I'm I'm just trying to figure that out. But anyway, neither here nor there. <clears throat> so, on March the fourteenth, um. John's half-sister Dorothy Dixon, who lived in the trailer when he was there and still lived in the trailer as of that, you know, she still—she stayed behind. Um, she gave permission to go ahead and search the trailer and the surrounding property. And spoiler alert, they didn't find the body yet. But they did find <coughs> um, some a blood-stained mattress, some blood-stained pillows, and these kind of things. Now it wasn't like a now, this was March fourteenth and so it wasn't like, you know, CSI and all this, but they did they did have Jess they did find Jesse's DNA in the blood stains on the mattresses and the pillow on the mattress and the pillow. I guess the mattress was actually like stuffed in the closet. Um and they found again indications inside of the closet that she had been there and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty pretty gross. I I mean and and horrific for this the, imagine this 9-year-old little girl having gone through this. But well, but I'm like uh what's his name from the OxyClean commercial cuz wait, there's more. Uh, so on March 17th, they have enough now and they arrest him. John Cooy. they they find him again and this time, though, they're able to transport him back to uh, Homosassa, Florida, to, to Citrus County. And then, on the so he's arrested and he's charged and he's transported back. So, I mean, in this time, it sounds to me, it doesn't say this, but one could infer, I guess, that he waived extradition because they brought him back the very next day. Um, uh, so on the 18th, uh is when things get really 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 sad uh because he gives a full confession and I kind of I went over it with sort of with a very broad brush when I laid out the details of the case for you guys where you know um you know he picked her he went in with the intention to burglarize his neighbor but I mean what kind of a shitbag human being is he to who goes with the intention of burglarizing your neighbor? I mean, who does that? Why would you go burglarize your neighbor? You have to live around these people. Obviously, he didn't have to live around these because he just up and moved. You know, just up and grabbed a, a, a greyhound north out of town. But whatever. So, <clears throat> um after the confession they go back and on on march 19th they're able to recover this little girl's body now again trigger warning because and i don't believe i think that's kind of cliche honestly for true crime and you know and i i try to leave out things like 911 tapes and all that kind of stuff unless i i just try to leave them out cuz it it causes way more i think at times that I think at times it's appropriate to put in a 911 call or whatever, but for the most part, like with a good example is um, even when I had the 911 call for uh, the Jenny Jones murders, uh, I had that. I just didn't feel it was necessary. It didn't. It didn't further the story at all, and and it just opens up too many too many issues. Anyway, I digress. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, right? Um, so they they trigger warning. Again, like I said, I, I think they're kind of cliche because you're listening to a true crime podcast. Of course, there's going to be really gnarly shit that you're going to hear. So obviously you're expecting it, but this is a little more gnarly than usual, I guess. Um, so they recover this little girl's body. And... She was wrapped in plastic in, in two plastic bags, and what what they found through the confession was that three days after he kidnapped this little girl, so she was alive. Remember, they were searching for this girl on on like the twenty, late on the twenty fourth, late in the morning, starting on the twenty fourth. And so she was still alive until the twenty-seventh. So that raises some questions in my brain. I uh, hopefully it raises some questions in everybody's brain. What exactly happened? That that they missed this little girl for three days. She was alive. Um in fact, some I, I read somewhere that They'd actually been to the house while she was still alive at one point. That I I can't confirm that, or, or so. Do with that what you want. Th- there's a lot of stuff out there on pretty much any case, but so if I can't really confirm it, I try not to include it. Sorry, uh, obviously I can't unring the bell, but that's I, I read that somewhere. Um, but anyway, so. Three days she was alive, and then um, he figured he kind of got nervous and didn't want to—he said he didn't—he he told her—he he tricked her into climbing into a trash bag, um, which pulled up to, you know, about, I guess, probably, if I would guess—it doesn't say anywhere, but I would, I would guess a big lawn bag or whatever, a nine-year-old child probably come up to their shoulders— Maybe their neck, you know, um, not quite up to the head if they step in it, come up pretty far, but not quite that far. And then and then he put another bag over top over her head and tied everything up. Now, the way that he convinced her to climb in there was that he told her he was going to bring her home, but he didn't want anybody to see her with him. Going across the street, you know, because back to her house because you know he didn't want to get in trouble. Um, and and he can he she had her little dolphin toy with her, and that you know the little security blanket, so she seemed okay-ish with it. Of course, instead of bringing her home like he promised and was going to release her, no, he buried her under his front porch. Um, and when they recovered the body, they, they found two of her little fingers had poked through the bags and were, like, fully skeletonized. So that happened right away when he buried her alive. Let me repeat that for those in the back. He buried this child alive. For every day that he was that, that he lived on this earth after that, he should have been forced to find a tree and apologize for wasting its oxygen. I think that all of the people like that should that should be part of their criminal sentence is to find a tree and apologize for wasting oxygen anyway, um, this little girl, so the coroner said that this little girl was alive for at least 3 minutes now when don't do it now but uh take a minute and time out 3 minutes set a stopwatch whatever you're going to do um set a set a, a countdown timer or whatever on your on, on the spy that I'm sure you have. I'm not going to say its name because I don't want to trigger the one in my office or anything like that because I hate those things. They're probably listening anyway, which is cool. Whatever. Um. Anyway. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, right? Uh, so at least three minutes this little girl was alive under... Uh, that's That's horrific. And that's not okay. Um... That just isn't, I mean, that's horrible, right? <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'll try and breathe at some point, right? <coughs> um, so now he goes to trial. And, and for those of you that automatically, as soon as I said he went to trial, went, wait, what? A trial? Why would they have a trial? That's a valid question. Um, and I don't know the answer, really. Uh, well, I think he was originally trying to plead guilty based on mental retardation. Um, his IQ was 78. And this was in the court record, so don't, don't come at me and don't, you know, I, cause I don't necessarily like the word, but retarded, according to the legal definition You are mentally retarded at an IQ of 70 or below. It's a horrible word to use, but it is what it is, right? Um, I know nobody wants to use that word anymore. Everybody's so worried about words, but they are what they are, right? Anyway, so, um, but he's at 78. Hell, I'm probably only at 82. Uh, I mean, just kidding. Well, no, I'm not just kidding, but... I mean, I'm definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed for sure. Uh, Anyway. So, of course, they couldn't have the trial in Citrus County um, because they really, which Citrus County, by the way, for those that actually really care, is sort of the armpit of Florida. Uh, It's on the West Coast, on the Gulf Coast side. I bet you didn't know that, huh? A Little geography lesson. Florida has two coasts. Weird, I know, right? Crazy. Um, you have the the Atlantic coast, which is Miami, Cocoa Beach, all the all the really cool beaches, famous beaches, and whatever are all on the Atlantic coast. You got Jacksonville, uh, St. Augustine, blah 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 blah, all the way down through like to like Miami and stuff. And then on the other side, you got the Gulf Coast, which is actually like the warm water and all that kind of stuff. The cool, the 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 <clears throat> where the more sophisticated. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm kidding. Stop. Yes, in case for those of you who didn't know, I do live in Florida. <clears throat> Beyond that, I I live again. In case you didn't figure it out, because you know, I I I always tell you I'm coming to you live from the Cone of Uncertainty. Right. Um. Oh, different show, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I do. I live in the cone of uncertainty. Every time there's a frickin' hurricane headed toward the United States somewhere, I start out in the cone of uncertainty. We might get hit, so buckle up. Oh, goodness. It's like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, there's just—there's <laughs> only so many times when you can batten down the hatches. And Anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Citrus County is just a little ways north of uh, Tampa on the Gulf Coast. Um it's uh west of Ocala. And again, the only people that would know where Ocala was are people who live there and people who 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 live in Ocala, live in Florida, or people who are maybe University of Florida fans. Uh or 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 you're deep into horses. That's the other thing that would tell you where Ocala is. Anyway, um so they obviously they can't have I don't know how they could have the trial really uh, uh, air quotes fair trial anywhere find an impartial jury because unless you were living under a rock in 2005, uh, this was all over the place, you know, and and of course, if you're over 18, which you would have to be to be on a jury, uh, you're going to uh, you're going to know who John Cooey was. At that point, if you were over 18 in 2005 and had, you know, uh, you know, and didn't live under a rock or weren't smoking crack rocks or whatever. Um, most people know who Jessica Lunsford and and Mark Lunsford. It's, that's a whole nother. Like I said, I I can do a whole episode on what he did with his foundation and all those things, but I won't. It's it's it is what it is. There, there's a lot of that. That was a whole other rabbit hole that it that just was crazy. Anyway, so um, they moved the trial into Miami, and it took that jury less than four hours to convict him. About a week later, uh, they spent another ninety minutes to recommend the death sentence for this guy. Right on, on August 11th, 2007, it was official. It was voted ten to two for death um, by that jury, and then they tried to appeal again. They tried to appeal on those same grounds of mental deficiency, but nope, it was all official. And by August twenty fourth, two thousand and seven, gone off to Florida's off to Florida State Prison to sit and rot away on death row. But he did not get the needle, or the electric chair, or any of that. Um, he died an an agonizing death in, in September of two thousand and nine um, i can't i I won't speculate the official record is is that he died of um that he died of natural causes according to the Florida Department of corrections um so he died of natural causes. But I can say this. People like him, um, in my previous life, uh, I dealt with people like him on death row. Uh, it's a miserable existence for people like him. Uh, they spend every day. day—a they, death row we made in Florida— comes out of their cell all of two, three hours a week. Um, They come out like three times. They're offered an opportunity to take a shower. Uh, Those things are all done, you know, on a weekly basis. And that's the only time they come out of their cell. And then you have people who have... um, you know, they they have family and things like that 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 have a little bit of money, so or or they're able to through various charities. Yes, they're out there. <sighs> anyway, it's a whole other animal, but if people are able to uh, get TV and those things, small little creature comforts that they can keep in their cell. Cooey didn't have any of that, I don't think. Well he didn't um y- you spend a miserable existence rotting away and again it, look up how he how he supposedly died other than natural causes that's all i'm going to say um <coughs> it, it was a miserable experience for this guy at the very end. Let's just say karma really got him. Karma got him good. So. um And unfortunately, you know, he didn't get the needle. He didn't get the electric chair. But it is what it is, right? So. um Excuse me. Sorry, it was such a short episode this week. By the way, don't get zipped in. Um you know the uh, sorry again I apologize it was such a short episode and it was coming out late and all these things I had to get sort of something to you guys to keep you guys interested of course to keep my my loyal people interested uh but it is what it is right um we i i, I have been again fighting the wu tang flu something i don't know uh it's been miserable. I'm not dead. I'm not dying. Although, maybe. But anyway, just kidding. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Don't get zipped in. We'll see you next week. and.